So, to backtrack on our story of Moses. Moses had been shepherding a flock when God comes to him calling out as a burning bush. It's a different story, but also a very interesting biblical story for another time. Moses talks to God as the bush, and God tells Moses that God has been witnessing the injustice experienced by the Israelites and would like to help Moses to lead them to freedom. God says, so come, I will send you to Pharaoh to lead my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And here we get to the first point of Moses questioning God and doubting his potential role. Moses asks, who am I that I should do this? And God proceeds to roll right over that question, saying, never mind that, I will be with you as you go. Moses, naturally, is not so sure that that's a sufficient answer. He asks God, basically, so who are you anyways? What should I tell my people about you? Why should they listen to me, to you? How are we going to get out of Egypt? And God identifies God's self as the God of Moses' ancestors. God assures Moses that the Israelites will listen and that he will be successful. And that furthermore, if he doesn't do this, there is no hope of freedom for the Israelites. Moses seems to ponder this for a minute and then asks, what what if I go back to my people and they say, yeah, no, that didn't really happen. God didn't really appear to you, whatever. And God gives Moses two different signs, signs that he can show to the Israelites so that they will believe that Moses had contact with the supernatural, with the divine. But Moses is still afraid. He's still hesitant. And it seems like finally he's talked around to the issue long enough and finally he's just had, and finally he just has to say it directly. Moses says to God, look, I'm not exactly the most eloquent person. How exactly are you expecting me to do all this? No one is going to listen to me. No one is going to care what I say. See, it seems that Moses has a stutter or maybe a lisp. And he's afraid that at the very least, people might not hear his message because of the speech impediment. Or at worst, who knows, maybe that he'll be made fun of or ostracized. Maybe he's been made fun of it. Maybe he's been made fun of for this before. Maybe he's been told that what he has to say is too hard to hear or it doesn't matter because he can't say it as clearly or as crisply as others. There's actually a story in Jewish lore that Moses got his stutter from a test Pharaoh had put him through as a child, in which he ended up placing a hot coal to his lips, permanently burning his mouth. After hearing Moses' protest, God basically says, so what? You have a stutter, but so what? Don't you think I know that? I am a great being that creates bodies and mouths and speech itself. I am the being that gives humans the power of speech or takes it away. Of course I know that you have a stutter. You will go anyway, and I will speak through you. But Moses argues once again, please, you can't possibly ask this of me 
please send someone else, someone better, someone who is not impaired. And God says, nope, you're it. But fine, at least you can take your brother with you. He can help. I'll give you the word of God, and he can tell it to the others. That's it. That's all God says on the subject. Take your brother. God does acknowledge that Moses sometimes has difficulty communicating with other humans. But God refuses to see that as something that could get in the way. Take your brother. You can have some help. But you're still it. You're still my choice. And you're still going. And that's final. Take your brother. Moses goes on to meet his brother and try for the first time to talk to Pharaoh. Moses asks for freedom for the Israelites, and Pharaoh responds asking, Who is this God of yours, and why should I let your people go? Pharaoh rejects Moses' request and instead makes the work and lives of the Israelites even harder. The Israelites are naturally mad at Moses for doing something that has made their lives even harder. Moses and God talk, and God assures Moses that the Israelites will be saved by the power of God. Moses goes out and tries to tell people this, but no one listens. When God tells Moses to go talk to Pharaoh and the Israelites again, Moses questions God, saying, Come on, how do you really expect this to go down? The Israelites have already rejected me once. They hate me, and they won't listen. My stutter just gets in the way. I can't carry your message. And God just says, nope. You still have to lead the Israelites to freedom. Now get on with it. A little while later, God tells Moses and Aaron, hey, now would be a good time to talk to Pharaoh about the whole freedom thing. And Moses once again brings up his stutter, saying, why does it matter? Saying, why does it matter? It won't work anyways. And God once again refuses to listen. Now we can read this as a story of Moses being petulant, obstinate, and refusing God. In a way, it almost reminds us of Jonah. Remember Jonah? A man who was seen who is seen as refusing to follow God's call, trying to run away. We could see Moses as willful and stubborn if he would just listen and not challenge God. This story could go a whole lot faster. But there's more to it than that. There seems to be a deep felt pain and fear in this story that a narrative of simply refusing Moses, of Moses just simply refusing, glosses over. The second time that Moses worries to God about his stutter, saying that it must be why the Israelites won't listen, we look back at the text and find it actually tells us the true reason is that Pharaoh's increased punishment of the Israelites was so cruel and had broken their spirit so deeply that they were unable to hear the hope and future Moses had described. It had nothing to do with the vocal quality of his speech, but he had been so upset and so afraid he couldn't think past his own insecurities. 
In retelling Bible stories, we may try to identify with the actions and motivations of different figures, but here it seems to be more the emotions rather than the actions that are there for us to relate to and to consider. In thinking about this story, it's comforting in a weird sort of way. Our world today is an odd paradox of being encouraged to focus and address our flaws, and and yet also we must ignore them and overcome them. We feel shame about our flaws, and then we feel shame about having shame. Frustrated and angry with that internalized ableism, fatophobia, misogyny, racism, and so many other forms of oppression that work their way into our self-consciousness. It's weirdly comforting to know that this human response has been around since the time of Moses. Not to say that this response of shame is good or normal or holy or even okay. In fact, self-blame rooted in oppression is none of those things. But instead, instead, it's a human response, a response that has been around for millennia. Because that means that the responding to and challenging of that shame has been around for millennia, too. In her book, The Disabled God, Nancy Iceland describes the holy act of acceptance and being with our bodies in their difference and in their brokenness, without attempting to change them. That there is nothing wrong or impure in disability or difference even in pain and discomfort, even in the ability to keep up or a struggle to participate, that all bodies are still good and holy and sacred. In Moses' story, we could very easily see him as overcoming disability. He follows God's instructions and leads the Israelites to freedom. How wonderful that he didn't let his disability hold him back. But Moses didn't really overcome anything. He still had a stutter. He still struggled to communicate with others. He still held a lot of internalized ableism and self-doubt. We sometimes have this narrative of don't let any challenges hold you back. But that definitely was not Moses' attitude. Instead, he took up God's advice of take your brother and navigated his path as best he could. He let go of the myth of self-sufficiency, that to be the right prophet, the perfect prophet for God's message, he had to have a perfectly smooth voice and be unsullied or flawed in any way. And true, things might have happened differently if Moses had not had a stutter, But there's also some Torah commentary that suggests that the reason the Israelites eventually did trust Moses was because of the way he spoke. That anyone with charisma and a solid speaking style could win over a group, but without those advantages, for Moses to be convincing, the things he did say must have been true. This doesn't make Moses extra good or extra holy or sacred, just that he accomplished God's charge in a way that was particularly fit to his life and his body and his experience. The piece of the story that is still kind of sticking with me 
that is, with Timothy, is God's response. Basically, so what? Take your brother. Step out of this myth of self-sufficiency, even, or maybe especially, as you enter into this monumental task. You do not have to go it alone. Self-sufficiency is a myth and does not belong in this work. Take your brother. From the text, Aaron was coming up to meet Moses anyways, before God's suggestion. It makes one think that God would have wanted Moses to have Aaron's help, whether or not Moses had difficulty speaking. Take your brother. By working together, each was able to fully devote themselves in ways they could not if they had been working alone. Moses was able to be fully connected with God, to understand God's message, and do his task without having to worry about how to communicate it. Aaron was able to focus on his words, his presence, his preaching, the impact of his actions, and all the other ways we communicate without having to question if his message was right. Take your brother. In the turning point of this year and of this decade, we often find ourselves reflecting on what we might do differently in the future. What about ourselves we want to change? What flaws we might feel hindered by? In this process of reflection, let us give up the myth of self-sufficiency. Let us give up the idea that we must rest in shame for our flaws, that our imperfections make us somehow less worthy. Instead, let us step into community to be open about our needs and offer up the ways we can help each other. Blessed be.